Listeners, if you love getting cash back like I do, then you've got to get the Get Upside app right now. Get cash back on your everyday purchases without changing anything about how you shop or live. You'll pay however you normally do with a credit card or debit card, and cash back will be deposited directly to your GetUpside account. There's no limit on how much you can earn. GetUpside even works with other coupons, discounts, and loyalty programs. First, you claim your offer, find local offers on everything from gasoline to restaurants and everything in between. Second, you spend, you shop as you would at your favorite spots around town. Third, check in or scan receipts, check in to log your purchase, and you'll be on your way. Finally, get rewards. Earn cash back and cash out whenever you want via PayPal, e-gift card, or check. It's just that simple. I love coffee, and I get mine for free just by earning cash back from GetUpside. Download the app and get started getting your cash back today. Click on the link in the description of this episode to get started. Welcome to the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino in the flesh. If you're looking at us here on YouTube, if as always, for the most of you, listening to us on uh, your tr- whatever your favorite podcast tool is, we'd like to thank you for tuning in and ask you to go ahead and hit the subscribe button. If you've not done that already, I don't need to go through all the instructions on how to do that. You should know that by now. If you want to follow us on social media, um, that's easy to do. Amos on Facebook, E-M-I-L-C-A-L-O-M-I-N-O. Good talking piece there. You can follow me on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at Gridiron Studs. Sure, you'll find me interesting, maddening, and all that at the same time. And um, we would like for you to check out our sponsor, Bovada Sportsbook. They've been in the business for a while. This is that time of year, Amel, where you've got college basketball, NBA going, NFL playoffs. We just finished the uh, I think that was a championship game in college football that we saw on Monday night. A lot of stuff going on, and Bovada is the place for you to get down on the action. A lot of great lines, great customer service, great re- great sign-on bonuses. Great, great, great. So check out Bovada. After my week last week, they may send me roses. Well, yeah, yeah Bovada has definitely <laughs> got you on the list of guys that are okay to come through there after last week. Sure. More on that later. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk about some hirings and firings in the NFL What's next for a potential Hall of Famer in the NFL, as well as this is thing that they do at the end of the year. And for Amol and I, it was uh, something to watch, but not very many people are looking at it. So we've got that coming up on the show. And TCU played Georgia or Georgia played TCU or I don't know. We'll try and talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) Someone got played. Someone played and someone got played. Uh, was it us? We'll talk about all that on the show. Plus, we are now into the NFL playoffs, so we are going to pick some games for you as we do every week. So all of that coming some. up on We're the show. Them all. We're picking them all. All right. We're picking them all. So um, we've got that to talk about here on the show as well. Emil, as we know, I, I found this funny, by the way, though. Um, I'm watching uh, a little clip from Pat McAfee and he was talking to, I, I don't want to get the reporter's name. I, you know, I, they kind of all blend together with me. There's now a lot between, of them anymore. Yeah. Between Glazer and Schefter and uh, what's the one that's coming up now. That's probably him. I forget his name. Ian Rappaport. Right. It was Ian Rappaport. And um, McAfee asked him about black Monday and Ian Rappaport says, Oh, we don't use that term anymore. McAfee's <laughs> like, what are we not? Are we not adults? Like, like for God's sake. You know, wait, wait, wait. It's funny because you mentioned that. I had a 
a friend sent an article today and he, he sent me a piece from the New York Post and he said, I don't want to live in this world anymore. What happened? The University of my, my favorite school, the University of Southern California. Oh, I thought you were going to say Scranton, but go ahead. They, they no, 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 no. We didn't do this yet. That's coming. They will no longer use the word field huh? in, 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 in their courses because of the racist connotation because people worked in fields. I mean, what are we going <laughs> to Sweet Jesus. Are you kidding me? Listen, I'll send it to you later after the show. No, that's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I'm not making it up. The word field. I couldn't make that up. My mind doesn't even work like that. Hey, well, if you could go through a, a list of things that we could potentially find offensive, there's a lot of words we'd cut out of our... Good Everything. Lord. Everything. Good Lord. And I'm you know, with your funny, friend. The funny thing with all this stuff is, and I, I truly believe this, your mind has to work in a, in a way that, and I don't want to use, call people racist, but almost tacitly racist. For instance, if I said Black Friday, Black Friday has everything to do with companies make money. They're in the black at that time of year versus in the red. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know how your mind goes from like that a term no that, that dictates profit to somehow around racism. <laughs> you sure that wasn't on the onion? Listen. You have to check this stuff on the Onion and the ba- the Babylon Bee anymore. And it's not; the- they're not even far off anymore. Remember no, when the Inquirer do- was ridiculous? Yes, it's not not no. so much anymore. That's really Twitter. No, so we can't use that term anymore. The the, the Black Monday, but it's Black Monday for the rest. No, of Black the- Monday. We said it on our show. Cancel yeah. us if you want. Anyway, um, you know, typical Black Monday. Well, not really, because it was kind of like because you know you know why it's not so. Much of a Black Monday anymore is because we're firing guys in the middle of the season with more regularity. So uh, we don't even get that far. But Cliff Kingsbury gone. Not a big surprise. It had been speculated. You were surprised by that a little bit. I kind of was, but you're closer to it. I'm not surprised. You know, there was a part of me that thought they might give him another year since there were a bunch of injuries and we had some circumstances. Um, DeAndre Hopkins missing the first six weeks of the season could be one thing. That seemed to me to be more about – whether it was true or not, I'm just telling you what I read. You would probably know more to this. The truth of it is that there's a rift. There was a rift, a little bit of an undercurrent between him and Murray. So obviously you have all that money and time committed to a franchise quarterback. If the coach and the quarterback aren't quite seeing eye to eye, the coach is usually the guy that's going to go. Sure. I mean, well, everyone had a rift, so to speak, with Cliff Kingsbury because things weren't going well. Uh, the offense obviously was not working this year. I don't really know what happened to him there. He seemed to have more creativity in 2021, and I just don't know what happened in between that run that w- was had uh, into the middle of the season to 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 this season. I don't know what happened there. Well, was- I think part of it is you hit on it, right? I mean, you miss your best offensive player for the first six weeks, so that well, that should mean you get more creative. Well, true, but but I mean, it cuts into some of your, you know, I mean, it's hard to replace a DeAndre Hopkins, no matter how creative you are. Murray's banged up for a large, I mean, I know he tore the ACL, but he always seemed to be nicked up and banged up. Mm. I don't know. I just think they had a lot of injuries. Cliff's living his best life. Sure. I mean, the guy, the guy um, has a ton of money. He's good looking and he has a model for a girlfriend. He'll be fine. I understand. But, uh, you know, if he had any aspirations of being somebody as a football coach in the NFL, you know, those were thrown out the window. And I could see the frustration over the last few games. Wait, you know, how you, old is he? 40? If that, is he? Probably. He'll get recycled. If Mike McCarthy gets recycled, Cliff, Cliff gets recycled. I think Cliff would get recycled as an offensive coordinator somewhere. Uh, 
if it was going to be a high end job, I think if he was going back into the head coaching deal, I think it would be lower tier power five, mid-level, you know, that type of deal. I don't see him falling into a power five job. Um, you don't think so? Not right away. Maybe one of those big 12 schools where defenses are soft, but I, you know, I can't. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I, I mean, and I don't think it's this year because of how late he was let go. So I mean, he, he might you like him, right? As far as what, yeah, you know. um, yeah, cool. Um, I just don't know what happened with him there offensively. And then the ship was run a little bit too loose this year. So ultimately, it's a results oriented league by and large. And so he didn't have the results. So he's gone. Lovey Smith. Don't know if I agree with that. I mean, the guy was. Good. I don't agree with that. I'm on the record. I thought I thought he got a raw deal there. I think if you look at the back half of their season, well, first of all, let's be honest, they don't have anything at quarterback. No, they thought they could try and make something out of. They, they, Davis and I'm Mills. Even saying maybe maybe that kid ends up being decent someday, but right now he, you know, he's raw. The back end of their season, they played very competitively. If you if you look at them from the last six to seven weeks, they took Dallas to the wire. They took the Chiefs to the wire. Uh, I think they won a game against was it Jacksonville or Tennessee? One of them they beat them last week of the season. They beat the Colts. So again, they seem to be improving, especially given that we know they didn't have anything. Sure, yeah, um, and you would think that would probably give you. I, th- I think when you take over a job like that, what you want to see if you're the general manager or you're the owner, is just how hard are your guys competing. And to your point, that's exactly what they were doing. Um, almost to the chagrin of maybe management, the last game, I mean, I'm not sure what the fans wanted. I think, Emil, by and large, the fans wanted him to lose that game against the Colts, and Lovey would have nothing of it. He said as much after the game. He was indignant. Perhaps that was like the final straw. Could you imagine that? Good professional coaches and athletes don't try to lose. No, you can't not call their, yourself a competitor and do that. It's not in their DNA. So anybody who's saying that just either didn't play any sports after Little League or something because... Which seem to be the loudest people in social media. Of course. But I mean, they're not going to try to lose. And frankly, does it matter? I mean, they're going to get a quarterback at one or two. And they're by all, you know, who knows which one is better? I mean, mm-hmm. we all know the whole dilemma with Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning and how that ended up. So my point is, you're probably going to get a guy you want. So what's the big deal? I and don't the Bears know. aren't going to take a court. The truth of it is, most likely, if you really want to jump up. And it get didn't him, matter because the Bears aren't going quarterback. They're not going quarterback. And they're going to trade the pick most likely if someone will give them even something. I mean, to go from two to one, how much could it be? I mean, you're not going to trade much to go up one spot. If you put someone else in that one spot, it might be someone looking for it a might, quarterback. Right. It could be And so maybe that guy that you want is going to be taken by whoever now occupies that one spot after a trade. Maybe that's what was mad. Yeah, maybe. But all I'm saying is I think this guy earned a right for at least another year. I mean, he did. did, Wasn't he the coach when the Bears went to Super Bowl? He did. He was. Okay, so he's had success in the NFL. It's not like the guy's never been the head of a successful program. I mean, people should look at the other seasons that he had with Chicago. They didn't just they weren't terrible, came out of nowhere. And then they went back to being terrible. He had some really good years. Oh, and by the way, he played the Super I mean, he coached the team to a Super Bowl. So yeah, you would think you would think so. But I believe he's been fired from his last two or three jobs. I just thought this was rather soon to be doing that. Um, and such, you know, such is the way. I don't know if Lovey Smith takes it. But arguably, this is probably at this point with the way the Lions are playing and even the Jets, 
Mm. This is probably the worst franchise in the NFL right now. Texans? I mean, yeah, I guess yeah. they take that over at this point. I, I don't mean just worst as in worst as in on well, field results. Just no, in, off the field too. They just the, yeah. mismanaged and mishandle things. So yeah, they're the yeah. new they're the new Jets since the Jets and Lions decided they wanted to play. Yeah, they, want, they, they wanted out of that. Yeah, I think so, we're yeah. done though with firings. So I I can't think of anyone else that would be gone. Um, you think maybe Mike McCarthy, if he doesn't get his, if they don't get a, a win in this. You know, you read, you read, you can't read too much because as you always laugh, the kiss of death is when you get the owner to. Oh, 100%. I'm yes. firmly behind X, yeah. uh, you know, coach XYZ. And yeah, you're dead. So you ask owner, Jer- general manager, Jerry Jones, the week of the playoffs, you know, is is Mike McCarthy coaching for, for his job? And even Jones is not that ignorant to say, oh, yeah. I mean, because that's not the of course you want yeah. to yeah. No, I mean, but you I go completely the opposite. I don't see how, if you read everything he said and in between the lines early in the year, Jones said in training camp, I think we are better position to go for it this year than last year. And as you said, you think this this year's team is overall probably better suited for the playoffs. And he said there's different levels of success, he said to the reporter in training camp. He goes, you know, granted, I want to win the Super Bowl, but I want to see progress. Mm. Fair enough. So progress is you're not losing. Yeah, losing that first game would not be. No, now no progress. You had a better record, though, this year. Same record as last year. Was it? By the way, the first time in 26 years, the Cowboys had back-to-back 12-win seasons. So McCarthy's mastered the regular season. The point is, you got to win, especially against this year's Buccaneers. And I'm not trying to say this is a slam dunk win by any means. What I'm trying to say is they're eight and nine. Okay, uh, if you're not going to win that game, Mike McCarthy, then I-, I think you probably earn it if you do get fired. That's a good, as good a eight and nine team with as good a eight and nine team quarterback as you're ever going to get. Not but arguing I hear that. Yeah, I hear I'm saying yeah, yes. So. Um, Let's assume by the let's assume Sean Payton's off the market. You ultimate Dallas Cowboy fan. Um, I'm surprised you don't have like a Roger Starbuck fathead back there behind you. Who would you want to see coaching this football team? If I can't have Payton. If you can't have Payton, because I'm assuming that's I, the guy you would want. Well, I, I would because of his ties to Dallas and the things I think he can bring in terms of toughness. I, th- I think Peyton's teams, as, as much as they threw the ball around, what was underrated with Peyton was the Saints were always a, a tough team. Good offensive line, ran the ball between the tackles. I think some things that would serve Dallas well. But in lieu of that, I'd give Dan Quinn another shot as a head coach. He's been there. The players seem to really like him. So you'd um, hire within is what you're telling me. You'd do that. I like Quinn. I mean, I do like Quinn. I mean, you know, he gets a bad rap for what happened in Atlanta. But, I mean, he had them within a few minutes of winning a Super Bowl. He did. True. Um, so Quinn's your guy. You want to go defense. Uh, I listen, I'm like you. I'm, I know the whole game anymore is offense, offense, offense. I still, believe that's what they say. I say, yeah, I, I still day. believe the teams that tend to stop the other team do well at playoff time. Sure. Um, that goes at all levels. I mean, look at, uh, look at Georgia, right? We'll talk about all, you know, the stuff they did offensively, but defense, you know, keep getting the ball back for your offense. Why okay. you don't like Quinn, or you do like Quinn? No, definitely like Quinn uh, as a head coach, though. Big I know you Quinn like fan. I'm not sure. I don't really know how to judge the Atlanta deal. I just know when he's coaching that defensive side of the ball, things seem to really, really go well. 
And if he does become the head coach, he's no longer coaching the defensive side of the ball. You know what I mean? So you gain a head coach, you lose a coordinator. And I think they have a built-in backup plan there in George Edwards. And if you, I, I, you know, I think they've deferred to Edwards a lot this year. A lot of guys that they've been bringing in during the year have ties to Edwards. And I think he's kind of their backup plan should they not hire Quinn to be head coach and he goes someplace. So I think that they probably have some redundancy built in on the defensive side of the ball. And I'm not a huge Kellen Moore fan, so I'd like to see someone hire him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's somebody to be mad at. So I guess it's McCarthy and Kellen Moore. Um, Yeah, I guess Moore could bear the brunt of some of this. We're just going to have to see how that game goes. What do you think about Sean Sean McVay? I mean, do you think I, I I mean, do you think he steps away? I mean, I don't think they're going to fire him, but do you think? No, he, he wanted to at the end of last year, and that was after winning a Super Bowl. This was completely the opposite of that this season. Um, and maybe there was, maybe he did show a little fatigue at some point in the season there. And there, listen, this football thing was good. I was kind of brilliant at it. I'm not trying to be, I just, it just strikes me as, he strikes me as the kind of guy that could go off and probably be excellent at something else too. And he's, he's willing to, at this age, do that. I don't think for some reason, I think, I don't think Sean McVay's a lifer. No, he coach. strikes me as a fit version of, of John Madden. God rest his soul. I mean, John Madden was a guy who was amped up on the sidelines. He, he, you know, I don't know if you're old enough even to remember him. I was eight years old when he nine years old, when he retired 10, he was crazy. I remember my dad saying this guy, I remember my dad sitting there going, this poor guy is going to fall over. I mean, mm. he'd be running up and down the sidelines, the the sideline tag, yeah. flapping on his G, on his Hagar, mm. yeah, chance. <laughs> and you know, he quit when he was very young. I mean, and then we know him as a broadcaster in Madden football, but he was probably forty one, I'm guessing, when he retired. And I just see a guy like McVeigh just being. I thought he was thirty nine, but maybe could be wrong. He was in somewhere shape, around. There. Yeah, in shape version of Madden. Like yeah, I think McVeigh. I think McVeigh would probably be excellent at something else, and um, is a guy that I could see doing that. Of all the NFL coaches right now, he seems like that kind of guy. So I won't be surprised if he says, "Hey, you know, I'm good." And I That's think it. They have a, I think they have problems there that he knows are going to be hard to fix because of the situation they put themselves in with trading away the picks over the years. And the salary cap. Yeah, situation. he could see the bottom. Yeah, yeah, he's going to fall out as we've spoken about on this show. Emil, another guy that we probably need to talk about who actually has the helmet and shoulder pads on is Aaron Rodgers. You know, uh, my dream uh, scenario fell apart a little bit too, too little, too late. You know, uh, they probably needed to start making their run a couple of games earlier than what they did, but it just apps. It took that long for things to click. I think he's expressed a good amount of frustration over the last couple of years. I think with the way things are being run offensively there, just in general, it's another offensive system. He doesn't sound like he loves what LaFleur does offensively. And, you know, he's an intellect, so it'd be kind of hard for him to sit on it. I'm getting long in the tooth. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, what am I really playing for? I'm not going to catch Tom. People already regard me as a Hall of Famer here, which he will be. Um, I've I've done all that I could do at this point there. Do you think this is the end for Aaron Rodgers? I think he's going to try to make one more run, but not with the Packers. You think he's yet another guy that wants to get out of Green Bay, Wisconsin? I, th- I think he wants to get into a system to try it one more time that he feels a system that gives him the best chance. Like I could see him, and I know it's convenient, but I also see it as being something that's kind of being set up where the Raiders are trading car, we know that. And mm-hmm. his buddies in 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 Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. 
So maybe he takes a shot, you know, he's a West coast guy. He's from Northern California. So maybe he goes to Vegas and he takes a run at it. You know, Vegas has Josh Jacobs as a free agent this year. Mm -hmm. So they're going to have to decide what they want to do there. History would probably say they don't resign him to a big contract because of, you know, and maybe they say, you know, we're going to go a different route. Let's get Mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers in here for a year with Adams and some guys and and Waller underperformed a tight end. There's a, another guy who is a, a freak athletically. Mm-hmm. Let's see what we can do at Rogers and go in a different direction. Cause this Josh Jacobs, while he's a great running back, it's kind of not working out for us. Wouldn't it be funny if you get Aaron Rodgers in Las Vegas uh, and you get Tom Brady in San Francisco, it'd be even crazier if they, if you know, the Raiders were still in Oakland, but, but here, well, here's the only, caveat I say about Brady of San Francisco, which seems convenient because it was his childhood team. Let's see what San Francisco does. Because if San Francisco somehow goes to the Super Bowl, Brock Purdy is their guy. Yeah. I mean, what are, what yeah. are you going to do? Get you, You're going to jettison a guy who took you to the Super Bowl for no. a guy who's got one year left, regardless of how great he is? No. So, you know, if Tom Brady gets eliminated by your Cowboys and Mike McCarthy saves his job this weekend, um, Tom Brady's left to root for Purdy to crap out. I don't see Tom Brady staying in Tampa. No, I don't either. If that's his plan. I mean, if that's his plan, I mean, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of places he could go. I mean, I've heard Miami, Miami, that would like this town on fire. I don't think so, man. I just don't. I don't see that. I I just the Jets aren't as aren't as far away as you might think. I just don't think that that's the kind of organization he wants to find himself in on the way out. I think he would have to be leery about how that whole thing is run. I'm not going to throw myself into that on the way out the door. Why would I do that to myself? You know, San Francisco's a solid organization and it's got a solid coach. You know this, um, mm-hmm. you know, at least in Miami, at least if it's, if, if things are sideways, I've got the sun, whatever I've yeah. I would probably, I might retire down here anyway. At least I've got that to look at. I mean, I kind of feel like some of that is what fueled the Tampa move. Um, just the weather. I'm not going to New York to be miserable um, and have the weather going against right. me as well. I think he kind of, you know, yeah, mentioned I mean, well, some of that. What people forget in football England. is you're in your hometown most of the time. I mean, you're only yeah. traveling the night, you know. the. the I mean, the season's half the year, but you have OTAs and you got training camp and but all that. But even the so. season that's half the year, when you're on the road, it's not like baseball. Yeah. Your road trips are short. Yeah, you're back. You're, you you're know, back. It's two, so two, three days and you're back. That's a good point. I could see him in Miami. That, that actually... Almost, believe it or not, makes more sense to me than the easy answer of San Francisco, because I don't think this kid, even if he has a bad playoff game and they get eliminated, can you really say he's done anything to not earn that job? He's played very well, not just been a a manager. He's he's put up some numbers. Amol, Jimmy Garoppolo was a post route misthrown away from a Super Bowl and they were looking to replace him. So. Should we be shocked if that's exactly what happens? If Purdy doesn't actually raise the trophy, if someone knocks him yeah, off, I guess Philadelphia, yeah, you know, that NFC is going to be tough. So, I mean, there's, there's some drama to come definitely um, yeah. in the NFL. So definitely there. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll be seeing that. Let, let me, let me ask you this. This is a question that's been bugging me and I've heard them talk about it. And the Lions kind of say, hey, we've seen enough. Goff's our guy. Do you think they're lying? I mean, what do you how do you feel about that? Do you think they're going to go into the draft looking quarterback? Goff's 28 years old, so he's not old by any means. 
I don't think they look for a quarterback in this draft because it's not a heavy, it's not a good quarterback draft. Let's just be honest about it. And the Lions somehow, some way have worked themselves out of being in position to get, you know, the the first or second best guy in the draft. Yeah. So what would you be doing? Maybe you do it with a mid-rounder. Maybe you hope you stumble into a Dak Prescott or a Tom Brady or something like that. You know, you always have um you for a long time have said you draft a quarterback every year, and I don't every draft. Why. Yeah, I take I a one, even if it's a seventh round. Sure, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. So Detroit may indeed do something like that. Maybe they would be more of the type of team that would need to do that over some others. But Jared Goff has been good. Jared Goff has been a good quarterback for the He's Detroit. He's been excellent. Lions. And you know what's funny? We, we remember the end of his career, or the the last year in Los Angeles, where it kind of went sideways. But I mean. People forget he had the the Rams in a Super Bowl. He did. He I had mean, the Rams in a Super Bowl. And they went against the great Bill Belichick, who, you know, befuddled him and Sean McVay. But people want to throw that on there. The truth of the matter is uh, Jared Goff threw 4,438 yards this year, uh, 29 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Are you really looking to replace that? I, I don't think so. And the Lions were a prolific offense for at least the last 10 games of the year. I mean, they were moving the ball on everybody. Yeah, so I wouldn't be in a hurry. And I, I think if you went out and did that, you're still holding whatever happened at the end of his Ram tenure against him, and that's not even the case. I mean, he may have had as good a year this year as Stafford had last year in L.A. when they won the Super Bowl. So yeah. you know, Jared Goff's made for that offense. I think that city's kind of rallied behind him. It seems like the team wants to play good for him. So – yeah, I'm not in a hurry to replace him, whether that's free agency or or through the draft. There are other areas you can address if you're Detroit. Exactly. And, you know, we make it like even if you are at the top of the draft and you get one of the, as you said, two best, three best quarterbacks, there's no guarantee they work out. No, uh, we're talking about a Bryce Young left and right, and he's my size. And so I'm not sure that's going to work out. Right. And there's and, and there's a couple, you know, I, I think – all the guys coming out this year have some questions. You know, I know that the, the popular thing right now is who's tanking next year for Khalid Williams, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, not just because I like Khalid Williams, I really feel he's going to be a pretty sure thing in the pros to what level. I mean, I think he'll be a productive pro quarterback. Now, will he be an all pro? I can't. Nobody can that say that. boil down to where he ends up. Yeah, but I think that. but I think he's got the. All the tools that you could say, sure. you know, this. If this, he lands in the right spot, he will, he'll do well. Yeah. Physical size, as far as strength, I don't mean height, uh, arm strength. He's one of those guys like, man, I, I would want him. But these two guys at the top this year, I think they're both really good players. But I think a lot's going to come to where they end up. I mean, they don't have the perfect, like Bryce Young's not a big guy, like you said. St I mean, physical stature, not just height. He's, yeah. just, he, he's a frail type of guy for the NFL. Might be a smaller guy at that position than there's ever been, considering to be a first round, you know, high draft. Pick. Sure. I mean, is he much bigger than Kyler Murray? He can't be. Uh, physically wise, like Kyler's a thick individual. Yes. Yeah, he's and, not, he's, and he's excessively, he's fat. Kyler Murray's faster. He's quicker. I don't quicker. know faster, but I don't quicker. mean like, yeah. And you quicker. need that to get out of trouble. Just right. in a small area, he's. He's quicker and he has a gun. He's a former baseball player. So um, he had those things working for him when height was not something that he possessed. So I'm just really doubtful about a Bryce Young. But like I said, it would only take him ending up in the right spot for me to be wrong about that. It, I just don't know what that spot would be. It's not Detroit. I don't see you playing in that 
division playing outdoor games at Green Bay and Chicago late in the year? No. New topic, because I had, I had this fleeting thought this week with the end of the year. And how do you like this for a potential rule change? I came up with this one. You have to have a winning record to be in the playoffs. And here's why this could make week 17 interesting. I'd like to hear how this would go down. Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. You can win your division. And let's say you win your division, you're nine and eight. Yeah. And how are you stopping that winning division? That division winner. Yeah. I want to hear this. You win your division at nine and eight, and your team goes 10 and seven. If you, if you happen to miss the playoffs at 10 and seven, my nine and eight team under my system still gets in, but you must have a winning record. So if you go eight and nine and win your division, we give you a flag. It says you were the AFC South champ. Congratulations. But the team with the winning record that's next becomes the seven seed and goes in as a wild card. And what that would do is think about week 17 now. Tampa was playing Atlanta this week. Game meant nothing. Mm. It would make it very interesting now because Tampa would need to play to win the game because they would need the winning record. I can't take that away from you. But to take a division winner and tell them you're staying home, we're, that's college football-ish. But they're a division winner only because of how we've arranged the divisions. The NBA's even picked up on this. It's like, well, we used to have these divisions. And then we realized, let's just take the top eight teams. I mean, because they're they're division winners because of how the divisions were arranged. Hey, well, let me tell you something. We could do a whole show on the mess that is college football's way of trying to figure out who their champ should be. I don't even think we should mess with the, the seven NFL and players. nine Washington, whatever they were a few years ago, won the NFC. Man, God that. bless. They got in there. And you know what? They didn't suck in that playoff game from what I remember. But, but in a one-off scenario, you and I both know in football, in a one-off scenario, you cannot suck in that. You're actually rewarding sucking. In other words, you sucked all year. We're going to let you suck, put you in there, and then you can win a game. Hey, well, what if you were two and eight and you ended up eight and nine, nine at the end of the season? And that means you, you're the hottest team at the end of the year. Congratulations on winning six out of seven. Here's your flag for, no, for man, your No, man, the fan bases would absolutely like lose their money. No, I'm not Let me ask you about week, another, another week 17 question. All, week 17 spurs all kinds of things in my mind because I see games that don't matter, guys sitting around. I can't figure out. They matter to fantasy football players everywhere. They do. And they manage the guys like me who select uh, picks. Yeah. How come some coaches seem like they really have a plan in week 17? I'm being serious. They know how to handle it when their team has clinched. And other guys seem totally befuddled by it. Like they just, they don't know how to handle it. It's, I don't, I don't know that I'm going to have a solid answer for you there, other than to say um, uh, it might be experience. And even when we're talking about a guy who's a first time head coach, he may have been under someone and picked up something there where he could hang his hat on and this, you know, when I'm a head coach, this is how, this is how I think this should be done. Cause I've seen whoever do it. I saw Don Shula do it. I saw Chuck Knoll do it. I saw Jimmy Johnson handle it. And this yeah. is the way that it should be handled. So I'm going to take that and carry it with my team and maybe for others, not so much, or maybe we can just give a, a head coach credit for knowing his team and what his team needs. And maybe sometimes it's not to go balls to the wall in that last week. Because I have, Emil. We've been watching ball for a pretty long time. We're not going to sit here and talk about combined how many years we've been watching football. A long time. But we have seen teams look like total you-know-what in weeks 16, which would have been the last team um, last week, and then go play lights out in that first ball game. Oh, uh, in the listen, and there's We've no doubt that. about it. Because, again, 
the any given Sunday holds true, and especially when a team isn't motivated against other professionals, you can get embarrassed very easily. This is not college football. There is, as I say, there is no Vanderbilt on the schedule. But I'll give you an example. Six or seven years ago, I remember a situation, and I knew it right then and there. I might have even said it to you if we were doing the podcast. Dallas had the number one seed Prescott's first year. Garrett was still the coach. Last week of the season, he didn't play very, he played very few key players up in Philadelphia in a game. If you remember, they put Tony Romo in and let him throw his last touchdown pass as a cowboy. Mm-hmm. And then they proceeded to have a week off. They were number one seed. And then they had the Packers come in. Mm-hmm. And it was that game they lost, close game, 34-31, last second field goal. Dallas fell behind 21-3. I knew. I think, Emil, if I'm remembering this correctly, it was the game where I became completely mortified as a defensive guy watching Aaron Rodgers. I think it was that game. The game was in Dallas. Oh, yeah. He was unreal that game. And I'm like, how do you stop this? That No, and there's no doubt, but the, they, they fell behind 21-3. And I said going into this, I knew what they the way they had proceeded. I said, okay, you're giving your best players a week off. They're having another week off. So now it's three weeks that they haven't really played football and they were a young team. See, I just think some guys don't organizationally, maybe it's more of an organization thing, but I just see some teams, they seem to handle it well and others don't. <laughs> I would tend to say they have that formula, whether it existed in the organization before they got there and someone imparted that wisdom on them and they took it, or they were somewhere else under a coach that really is good at handling that and they brought it with them. Because it's stuff like that I think you 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 take with you. You know, you were under your parents' house um, and you move out and there's some things mom and dad did, I'm not going to do in my household, but there's some things that were staples of our family um, and maybe not just our family, but my grandparents. Yeah. And we took that. And I think that's I think that's really what that is. I think that's what happens there. And so. you're probably going to disagree with me in general because you played a lot of ball. But see, my feeling has always been like this. I, I think in sports, you got to be careful when you get into that hole. We're not going to play a guy because he could get hurt. Because in football, I mean, at least the way I feel about it is you get hurt doing almost anything. You get hurt in practice easy. We, how many times do we see you guys? could. There's a lot of non-contact yeah. injuries. I will throw this your way, though. Uh, maybe something you haven't thought about is that sometimes guys are nursing injuries throughout the year and they're giving it a go because the team needs it, needs you really to be out there in right. the field. And uh, you see as a coach, this guy could really, his back could really benefit from getting a week off from playing. So 100%, 100%. And I, I think it's that. more that than, oh, this guy's perfectly healthy, but he might get hurt going out there. I think it's more of a nagging injury or something that would fare better by a guy getting a, a week off. I think that's yeah, more of what fair, it is. Fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah. So that's where we are on that. Are you a guy that can predict the future or may have a mean poker face? How about a love for horses or you just know who's going to win the game? Don't just be a profit, make a profit. And you can do that when you open an account at Bovada Sportsbook and Casino today. Whether it's getting down on the gridiron action, wiping out the dealer in a card game, making some change on the race of the ponies, or cashing in on celebrity events, Bovada Casino is the place for you to draw your line. Since 2011, Bovada has been a leader in the online casino industry, spearheaded by their top-of-the-line customer service, easy deposit, secure payouts, and great welcome bonuses. Head over to Bovada now to see what they're offering you to come in and scratch that itch you're having. Click on the link in the description and tell them the Gridiron Stud Show sent you. 
Okay, we've got some NFL picks that we need to get to. Um, we do, we do. Unfortunately, Emil need to summarize what happened last week, and then we can tell the folks what it is we're going to do in the playoffs, well, which is going to be different than anything we've done in the past with regards to picking games in the playoffs. Last week, you get credit, and I wasn't on the show last week. Right? Yes, yes, you had fallen ill. I fe- I fell ill, and you get credit for your selections, and then I'll blame you for mine because. You're supposed to be the guy that monitors this stuff and says, well, you might not want to do that, but you did. My my bad. Chad was two and one last week. Nice winner on the Giants. Uh, As a matter of fact, you got gypped. When you made that pick, you took them plus 14. They were getting like 16 and a half Mm. at kickoff. And uh, I think you, you read that right. The Eagles got off to a big lead. Hertz was apparently still injured and still is to a degree. He's Mm. sore, they said. And I think they kind of just relaxed into that victory. It got closer than they would have liked. Uh, it ended up 22-16, so that was a nice pick. And, of course, your Titans pick looked like a winner. And they went outside of character in the last 10 minutes of that game. They held a tight 16-13 lead and, for some reason, felt compelled to put the ball in the air. And they got a strip sack, uh, I think, a strip sack fumble return. Lost the game by four, but you had a nice winner there. They were never in jeopardy. And then you you got ripped off by the Packers to go undefeated. Yeah, um, I started to worry about that game as I, you know, thought about the playoff scenarios. And I did think, you know what, if if Seattle does end up beating the Rams and it becomes a, I don't want to say an I don't care game for the Lions, but not a play in your end where you would be tight kind yes. of thing, where you you definitely want to keep the Packers out, but you're not tight now because if we lose up, you know, the results were the same for the Lions, win or lose in that game, but you had the added motivation of keeping the Packers out, which Dan Campbell said on camera, well, our motivation is making sure these guys don't go. Oh, and I definitely think there, I think that hurt you on that pick, knowing the history of the franchises, sure. how, especially you know historically and recently in well, yeah, you've the been Lions. the Packers whipping boy. Yes. I, I still see Aaron Rodgers throwing that Hail Mary and beating yes. you with it. So. Yeah, so I yes. think there was a lot of that going on. Like, listen, you know, we we aren't going, but we want to have a winning season. And damn, these guys aren't going. <laughs> Absolutely. We yeah. want to make sure these guys don't go. And they made good on that. So. Right. So long and short, uh, you were 2-1. and one. You had a, had a phenomenal regular season. 33 wins, 20 losses, a push. That is some serious picking in the NFL. Yeah, I will say that. I had a good year. I had to make up for a and it, it makes my year look poor, even though it wasn't. Uh, I was doing phenomenally until, for some reason, I took the Raiders. You know, mm. I felt like, wow, the Chiefs are going to go coast to a win. They want the one seed. It's an old rivalry. That game well, now, was- would the Chiefs be one of those teams that you would say knows how to handle that final week? Or maybe not so much? I, I, well, they needed to win. Mm-hmm. Right. They needed to win because they wanted that one seed where now the game of Buffalo, if they play them, is on a neutral field based on these new set of rules. So I don't know if they had to handle anything other than getting the Raiders on their schedule for week seven. Where does Jerry Jones said you can have the game at our stadium? We know we're not going to be around that time of year. So <laughs> Sorry to all our Cowboy fans that might be listening to that. You know what? <laughs> Could you imagine? Too you know, because he runs the league anyway. <laughs> So then, wait, it gets better for me. You know, my week has got better and better. I, I take the Saints 
figuring, you know, okay, the Panthers had this. And I thought you had that one. Yeah, I mean, I felt like they're on the cusp here of the playoffs. They have a lead. They lose to the Buccaneers. The balloon gets deflated, whereas the Saints kind of were very on the outside. They needed like 17 things to happen. And they had played really good football mm-hmm. the last three weeks. They beat the Eagles in Philly. The Eagles needed that game to clinch. So you're thinking Saints go out, four-game winning streak, propels them into the offseason. They, they laid an egg, mm. 10-7. What the? What was that? Uh, they had the rider truck packed up. Yeah, they had a pack. They were already so. And then, oh, the creme de la creme of my, my week. I decided to take the Browns. I figured, you know what? The Browns, if nothing else, would love to keep the Steelers out of the playoffs. Same theory as the Lions Packers. Sure. You've been their their whipping boy for years, okay? Sure. And you know they you know they may not care the players, but deep down the fans know about Tomlin's record, never having mm-hmm. a losing season. Hey, let's stick it to our guys out of the playoffs. Give the coach a losing. No, they just well, you know, to tell people the story here, Emil was sick, and so he emailed me his picks. Um, we try not to have the same – we try not to be on opposing sides of a pick. So you sit in – I had Pittsburgh down there because I just – in my mind, and I was pretty solid on Pittsburgh. I don't uh, – to make you – I don't want to make you feel bad. But the Packer, <laughs> pick, the Packer pick was my last pick. Yes. Um, that I had to sub in because I didn't want to be on Pittsburgh when you are in Cleveland and you were sick and we didn't have time to talk about it. So I said, all right, we'll go with Cleveland. But in my mind – Pittsburgh, uh, I know those players love Tomlin, and they want to keep that whole thing going for him where he never has a losing season. And on top of that, there's a potential uh, – there's a, the chance that we can go to the playoffs. We're playing at home against Cleveland, laying less than a field goal. When you came in with that, I was like, this guy must know something. He must have a cousin. No, so what happens have here a cousin is, no, usually I would get a, a text back, nah, man, nah, I'm on Pittsburgh. You got to pick somebody else. I did mine already. No, no. I was feeling anyway, bad for you. He yeah, gave yeah. me the Browns, so I go 0-3. My, my final regular season record was good. 30 yes. wins, 23 losses. I had a push. Three games behind you, but that last week just leaves a terrible taste in the mouth. Well, um, what we're going to do here is since – um, I mean, you can, you know what, this is, this is your area. So tell the folks what we're going to be doing here. So we're going to have a playoff contest because obviously it's hard to make up three games over the playoffs. So we're going to pick first, first of all, there's very few playoff games, right? You got six this weekend, which then goes into the four the next weekend. So these two weekends are some of the best weekends of playoff football. Then you got two games and one. So you got 13 games. We're going to pick every game. We wouldn't be doing the playoffs justice if we just picked out games we liked and skipped talking about complete games. I mean, this is what we do the show for. It's the playoffs, man. Sure. Playoffs. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. And I, that's what the fans are here for. Yes. So, so we're going to give you a pick on every game and a little analysis. And we might be on the opposite ends. And then you guys can decide which one of us you want to roll with. And based on last week, you probably want to roll with him. You know, it's that new season. <laughs> it's that new season. So what you did in the regular season doesn't matter. We can start off with the first game. You can go first. We're talking Seattle, San Francisco, and we're going to use whatever line you have. Okay. We're Well, the line on this game is San Francisco. I've got San Francisco giving nine and a half right now, which yes. is an interesting number. That's what I have. Yeah. You got the same number? Yes. And to me, to me, this one's easy. And uh, you, I know I have a feeling you're going to be on the opposite side of me because you have, you have some love of a player on Seattle. But I got to tell you something. They'd have to give me a lot more than 10 points to take Seattle in this game. And I know there's familiarity and I'm a Pete Carroll lover 
And I actually like Geno Smith and all that. But what I'm seeing from the 49ers, they're just going out and destroying people right now. Games that don't even matter. I mean, you could say, sure, the Cardinals didn't care on Sunday, but you know, neither did the 49ers that much. And yeah, let's be honest. They just went out and took them apart. They fell behind 7-0 and took them apart. So to me, this is one of those games where I'm not going to overthink it. It feels like the 49ers are going to play in the NFC Championship game to me. It's felt like that for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get try to backdoor one here. Give me the 49ers minus nine and a half. Yeah, everything that you mentioned um, could be true. And yeah, let's say I got love for Geno Smith. First real foray into the playoffs um, as a guy leading the team. And you're going against what could arguably be the best team in the league right now. You had two cracks at the San Francisco 49ers earlier this year. One time when they weren't really 49ering early in the year, you weren't much of a match for them then. You got them at home later on in the year when they were kind of rolling. You weren't you weren't much of a match for them then. I don't see that changing, Amos. So I'm actually going to be on your side on this. And I don't want to pick Seattle because I don't think Seattle can win the game. Um, Gino well, that's Man- an old handicapping rule you and I've talked. Unless you're talking big college spreads with yeah, where lines. yeah, of course, yeah. of course, in, in pro football especially. If you don't think a team can win a game, unless they give you one of these crazy 16 point lines like you got last week, which is rare, yeah, uh, you got. We're talking especially in the playoffs too. Yes. Um. So I, I'm I'm actually going to agree with you on that one there and roll with the 49ers. They're at home um, and they're just rolling right now. And I just think they've just defensively, they've got too much going on um, to to falter here. And that number, as you said, is interesting because it doesn't even really leave a back door open. You know what I mean? So let's say the score is 27-10 late yeah. and, and Seattle comes up with a touchdown. You're still not making up your points there with Seattle. So I'm going to go with the 49. Seattle will get some money in this game because of, Pete Carroll's reputation as a head coach because of the familiarity, because of there's still some doubt in the 49ers quarterbacking situation. So I think Vegas knows, you know, they have that number set where they probably know if they start getting to double digits, they don't, they, they don't want to get, you know, their, their job is balance the books. So they don't want too much Seattle money either. So I think that that's probably a decent number for, for Vegas to get what they want out of it. But I'm, you know, you and I see this the same. Now you go first on this one. Let me give you the line. That this is the night game Saturday. We've got the Chargers going to Jacksonville, and they've installed uh, LA. I was going to say San Diego as a two and a half point favorite over Jacksonville. Um, well, which is good for me because I'm on the Jags in this one, Amol. I think that's one of the upsets that we we're, we're going to get some upsets this weekend. Uh, we get them every you know usually every first weekend. Well, last year we had six of them, right? Yeah, six underdogs. If I remember yeah, we correctly. we we get some upsets. This is new territory for the Chargers and their quarterback and there's you know listen there's a lot of love shown Justin Herbert's way we just know that people love him uh there's and understandably so he's a prototype he does some really nice things out there but he's in new he's in new territory and it's on the road for the Chargers and I just don't understand kind of where you get off making the Chargers a favorite on the road I don't want to they didn't backdoor their way into the playoffs but they're not what I would call a strong playoff team they're new to the situation. I don't trust Brandon Staley at all. I could see him going for it from his own 10-yard line early in the game uh, when it's 3-3. Three to three. So I kind of like the way Jacksonville's rolling right now. They're playing really, really good football. They're making things happen defensively. They're in a five-game win streak. 
and they're as hot as anyone coming in. So making them a dog at home is probably going to be a good motivation for them. I think they keep rolling and at least get through this first week. I like the Jags. Well, this is going to be boring so far because I'm all, I'm all over the Jags in this game. I feel you you brought up a name in your analysis, and I actually feel that's the advantage for Jacksonville in this game. I think you know the quarterbacks are very similar. Uh, Herbert and Lawrence, both big, tall guys, young guys, bright futures. And, and I don't think there's much of a talent dissimilarity in the rosters. I think the biggest advantage Jacksonville has here is Doug Peterson. He's been in these situations before. You know, he, he understands coaching in the playoffs. And I think Staley is married to his Excel spreadsheet and his accountant, his actuary. And I think, you know, if his spreadsheet tells him it's fourth and one on our own 34 in the first yeah. quarter, we're supposed to go for it. He's going for it. Yeah, he's uh, really excelled. Yes. And I don't yes. mean, you know, no. like done well. He, he has, obviously, you got this team to the playoffs, but he's an Excel spreadsheet type of guy. Yeah, now. and I, I like Peterson here. I think he's a, he's got a calming effect on this team. I saw that story last week during the Tennessee broadcast where they said when the team was three and seven, he told them, listen, keep doing what you're doing. This is going to come down to the last game of the season. Not sure. That's probably some coach speak. You're like, you got to play seven more games. You're not going to tell the team to quit, but I, mm. I, I do think he's got that calming effect. And I think it's going to show in this type of ball game. And I, I'm expecting them actually, I'm not going to say blow them out, but for some reason, I feel like they're going to win this game by 10 points. Um, Yeah, I, I can see that. Yes. I'm thinking um, more 28, yeah. 20, something like that. Yeah. Um, is what happens there. You Next can go one, f- I'll go first. And yeah. this is uh, your home team. And the one o'clock game Sunday comes up to Buffalo. Uh, and they find themselves a 13 and a half point underdog on the road against the Bills, a team they defeated early in the year and played tough the second time they played them. If I'm remembering the second game correctly, was was competitive for quite a while. And here they are sitting there. I know they don't have their quarterback. 13 and a half point underdogs. You want to know what? I'll lay all 13 and a half of them. After I watched the Dolphins. You hear that, game, local uh, Dolphin fans? Are you hearing this? Listen, I watched the Dolphins last week because we had two choices here in the early games. Uh, I was I was home. I wasn't in a sports bar. So I had the Steelers, Browns, and the Dolphins, Jets. I was going back and forth. Uh, and uh, that Dolphin game was brutal. It was. <laughs> yeah, finding offense and points in there was. Oh, it was just, it was brutal. And you know what? To me, there's something about the Bills now I feel like They might have some mojo with everything that's happened. They've been through just living in that city year round. You should get some reward. They've lost four Super Bowls. They've gotten 17 feet of snow. I mean, my God, they had a player almost. Yeah, God can't be this cruel. No, I mean, I can't. I'm not making light of it, but everything go wrong goes wrong for this franchise. Let them have it this year. Yeah, I guess you could kind of hear in my voice that I'm going to roll with you on this. So, yeah, it might be boring for those folks out there or. You could see that, hey, Emil and I, two guys that, you know, won a lot this regular season, we are uh, agreeing on all three of these ones so far. I don't see it for the Dolphins here. It was a nice ride. Um, <laughs> consequently, they end up being the same record that they were last year. Fortunately for them, it was good enough to get in this season. But I'm with you. I think, oddly enough, what happened on that field in Cincinnati a couple of weeks ago has given a uh, Buffalo Bills team who was kind of coasting through because of what they were able to do last year, like that little jolt. And if you could feel the energy in their play and that stadium last week, if there are any remnants of that still remaining when they take that field this week against 
a playoff game against a divisional foe. Still see how the Dolphins could win. Thinking the back of the Dolphins' mind, too, is like we have not done anything this year when Tua has not been on the field, and he's not going to be on the field for us. So really, what is it that we're going to have? Sure, that the Dolphins, it's the Bills. They're going to come out with their gusto. But I just think when things get rolling and the Bills start getting ahead and then you really start realizing how cold it is in Buffalo, I just think it's going to be a shame. And he'll look – I mean, Tyreek Hill's banged up. He was banged yep. up in that game Sunday. So so all that comes into play there. Yeah, think about it. They yeah. lost the first game, and then they were only three-point winners in the second game, yet the odds makers are saying 13 and a half. Let's run with what the odds makers are talking about and take the bills. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, let me get you, because because I want you to go first. As we roll into that, that primetime slot, uh, Sunday afternoon, 4.30, we have a re- all these games are rematches, by the way. But this game was a game that the Vikings won uh, a couple weeks ago, 27-24. And sure enough, not hard here. Vegas went right back to that spread. They got the Vikings favored by three in Minnesota against the Giants. What do you got? Um, Amel, something stinks here. The uh, Minnesota Vikings are 13-4. and four. The New York Giants are a 9-7-1 and one football team that uh, kind of were edgy towards the middle and end of the season. And, you know, we thought for quite some time that in between the Vikings and Philadelphia, the Vikings might might be um, the best team in the league. That that thought got circulated around, especially after their game against the Bills in, in Buffalo. Yep. So you're telling me in a playoff game, they're only a three point favorite against the New York Giants who damn what what were they? They they finished third in their division. Yeah. Something stinks there. So I'm going to roll Giants here. I believe in Brian Dable. Um, I think he might have something cooked up. He was the loser in the first match uh, by three points. I think he I think he alters the game plan enough. I see Minnesota doing pretty much the same thing since they were the winners, and I think the Giants come out ahead here. You know, this folks, we tell you this every anytime Chad and I talk about anything, we we sincerely do not talk about lists that we do, games, nothing. I have no idea, but this is I, I'm on the same thing here. Uh, to yeah, me, I mean, if you have any reasons that are outside of what I said, you know, feel free to no, share. No, I mean, I, I look at this game and I'm just saying, you know, okay, 13, like you said, 13 and 14, Giants, nice year. But, you know, there's nothing that makes me think the Giants are juggernauts and, and it's three. You know, I, I, I feel like like there's the Giants have some guys that sat out last week that might be fresh coming into this game, you know, that they can probably pound Barkley if they want to. The Vikings have been weak defensively. I think Jones has turned into a pretty decent little quarterback. He moves around well. He's a pain because he runs. You know, mm-hmm. and there's another thing the Vikings have to account for. I really like I like the Giants. I like them all week to win this game. I think they're going to be packing their bags for Philly next week. So, yeah, how about that for the city of New York? Uh, so, wouldn't that be something? Philadelphia and the Giants in a playoff game. Well, maybe we'll differ here. Sunday night football. Sunday night football. We have to- Baltimore at Cincinnati. Yes, but they played. They, not only is this one a rematch, they're all rematches, like I said, but they played last week. I think both of these teams, for lack of a better term, Emil dicked around in that game last week. So well, I do too. I think, I, think I think once everything that went down and we knew about coin flips and this flip and that flip, I think Cincinnati realized, you know, we're going to win this division. Mm-hmm. And I think both teams played very vanilla in that game yeah so it's hard to take anything 27 16 but here's the thing in this game i like john harba as a coach mm-hmm. he 
he is one of my him and Mike Vrabel and Dan Campbell are probably my three favorite NFL coaches because I like the style of teams they put out. Yes. And I feel like they'll they'll give max effort here even without Lamar Jackson, not just because it's a playoff game. They'll play Baltimore football physical. Mm-hmm. So they may lose the game, but I think they'll be right there. I really think this game is going to be tight. I know Cincinnati's hot. They're as hot as any team in the league except for San Francisco. But for some reason, I just think this game ends up tight and and Baltimore at worst covers it. Yeah. Well, finally, a game we differ on. Okay. Uh, yeah, Cincinnati's been as hot as as anyone down the road. And I'm seeing the I'm I'm seeing an offense that's cranked out 42, 37, 20, 27, 23, 34, 22, 27 in a regular season. And I have to think a little part of this team here had made it to a Super Bowl last year. And you know what you see with teams like that. The regular season kind of loses some of the importance for them. And so even in the midst of this regular season losing that kind of importance, they were able to put together a string of games like this. What is that? Eight wins in a row? Yep. I think now that we get to the postseason and now they smell the coffee, whatever term you want to use, they see the prize there. Now they're on a mission. They want to go back now and finish their business. I think we see an even better version of that team that rolled out eight straight wins and got things done offensively. And to be able to do that at home against a division foe that's wounded. I don't know which I I like John Harbaugh too. Matter of fact, I like both of the Harbaugh's as coaches. I don't know what you're getting at quarterback. If Lamar Jackson comes back, he hasn't been around for six weeks. I don't think he's going to play. And I I don't think think so. Yeah, I don't think so. If you get Tyler Huntley, who's a more than capable backup, he too has been on the shelf for a little while. He'll be rusty. And if you're talking about the third string guy, hey, hey, Cincinnati Bengals, if your third string quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens come in here and they hang around, God forbid, beat you, go hide your face. Yeah. Finally, you move this franchise out of Cincinnati and you go hide. I just, that <laughs> I think you're going to get, I think you're going to get Huntley. And I see, I listen. There's a case, to, like I said, this is the one game, uh, obviously, so far we disagree on. There's a case to be made for Cincinnati. I could see it. I just, I, yeah, I just, I think they're super dangerous in these playoffs. I would not be shocked to see Cincinnati get all the way back. Oh, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. Okay. Although so, Kansas City and Buffalo look like juggernauts, I wouldn't be surprised. All three of them are. All yeah. three of them. I could see it just, it just depends on how this breaks. But no, I could see it. Okay. And I have a feeling we're going to differ on this next one. Well, this is going to be fun. You can go first. We got my, see the helmet behind me, folks? <laughs> my Dallas Cowboys. I don't think they need to see it. If you've ever listened to this show, you know where this guy falls. Laying in, in two and of- a half in Tampa against Tom Terrific. That line tells me they want people in. Yeah, they want Tampa money. They want Tampa think- money to come in. This is the GOAT. You know what I mean? This is the GOAT. This is his time of year. If there's anything he showed us in this kind of half-assed season that Tampa has is that when it's on the line, this guy can get it done. He's fourth quarter Tom at this point. He's shown you that. That's going to have everyone feeling like, well, now it's for real, for real. We're in the playoffs, and this is when Tom's going to show up. And in the face of all that, Vegas said, yep, we're going to make the Cowboys favorites coming into this game. And on the flip side, everyone's been on Dak Prescott's head. Is he the guy? Is he the leader? Mike McCarthy, does he belong here? Should he just be in some cop drama? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Should he be sit, should he be some police chief? He does look a, like the sergeant, like he should be an yeah, NYC. Should he be the police chief in some cop dramas yelling at the two wayward detectives <laughs> with his double using, chin? Yeah, that are using odd techniques to solve crimes, and one of them makes a habit out of punching citizens. Yeah, all that. I think these guys are gonna get down and dirty and pissed off. And uh he was so excited he knocked his camera out there if you're okay. watching on YouTube. But anyway, um I think the Cowboys get their act together. They they play the kind of football they're supposed to play behind the running of Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, and the timely passing from Dak Prescott. I think these guys get it done. I think they're they're in the nice tropical weather of a Tampa, and they play the kind of football, Emil, that you have wanted them to play for quite some time. I like them as two and a half point favorites <laughs> on the road in Tampa. And they're going to end this whole thing for Tom Brady in Tampa. He can retire and go refine Giselle, pull her out of the arms of whatever dude she's messing with now. Or he can go right off to San Francisco, Miami, wherever. I got at. so excited, folks. I knocked the camera off. Yeah, they're going to end talk it. About the college. I, I got crazy. the Cowboys ending this whole thing for Tom. Well, I know it's funny. People who are regular listeners of the show know my spiteful nature. They probably figured he's going to come on here ticked off about that thing he had to sit through for with, with I had sauce I, on Sunday. You ever get sauce? You get like indigestion. I'm watching this. I'm my family's looking at me. Are you okay? I'm like, I can't watch this. Yeah. I actually think that game was good for Dallas. As as crazy as that that poor performance was, I think everything you said will galvanize them this week. Yeah. I do actually, you read the morning news and the local papers for Dallas? You do that, oh, don't you? Yeah. I so do. they've been on their head, haven't oh, they? Oh, they've been on their head. Oh, yeah. I, Good. And I think what happens is, had they went to Washington and beat them 37-10, I think you'd get the cocky Cowboys coming in, the sure. ones that don't know how to handle success, which has been a problem for that organization for quite a while. This way, I think they come in kind of pissed off. Like, look, look at we were 12-5. and five. We're not garbage. We played a game that doesn't matter. Sure, we played bad. And I think their coach, they, they, they like McCarthy, whether I like him or not. They played well for this guy for two years. I think you got a team that's going to come in and say, listen, this guy might be coaching for his job. They read the papers. They're not going to want to get their coach fired. He's liked. Mm -hmm. And I just think that, you know, like you said, this line doesn't make sense. Tom Brady's at home, 7-0 and in his career against the Cowboys. Sure. And he's getting two and a half points. Yeah, why is he not the favorite? Why is Tom Brady not or a, a home pick, favorite? Or a pick even. Yeah. But, but this is a prime time game. I mean, the whole country, other than Cowboy fans, wants the Cowboys to lose. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's funny. They're they're they they're gonna Brady comes in, same Cowboys. I'm with you. I'm going Dallas minus two and a half here. Yeah. Um, well, of course, Amel, though, if this game is Dallas up 27-21 with two minutes left, I'm gonna cut the TV off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know yeah. if I can watch that. Yeah, Brady gets that ball on the, you know. 25 yard line, his own 25 with, you know, 153 left. I think we already know what the script is. Then the league is rigged. But you'll you know, know the league is rigged if that's what happens on, on what <laughs> is that? You do know the script. And I know fans say that this is every quarterback. And it's true. All quarterbacks function less efficiently under pressure. But especially with Brady, the formula for beating him in big games over his career, which he hasn't lost many of. Pass rush. Always. Because he doesn't move well. So yeah. let's be honest, unlike Aaron Rodgers, who when you rush him in his younger days, especially could go out the back door on you, pick up 11 or 12 and keep the sticks moving. Yeah, that's what I saw in that game yeah. you brought up earlier is like he would 
He was rolling to his left and hitting guys on a dime and avoiding the rush, and it seemed like nothing Dallas could do. So we're not going to get that kind of Tom Brady. Brady doesn't have that. So if Dallas can get that pass rush cranked up, they were third in the league in sacks. Yeah, Leonard Fournette's going to have 13 catches. Um, Right. Yeah, right. You know, the three-yard check down. So we'll see. I I mean, so let's recap. Chad and I are the same on every game except one. So we we, we both have the 49ers given nine and a half. Uh, in the first game against the Seahawks. We both have the Jags at home getting two and a half against the Chargers. We both have the Bills blowing out the hometown Dolphins. That's where this podcast originates from, so sorry. Bills minus 13 and a half. We've got the Giants. That line stinks to uh, high heaven to both of us. We don't understand it. We yes, rotten, plus really three. rotten. Um, this is where we disagree. Chad likes the Bengals. He likes them maybe even to go back to the Super Bowl, but he certainly to cover eight and a half against the Ravens. I'm on the other side of that. And we both like the Dallas Cowboys to send Tom Brady home to no longer his, well, he can't go home to his wife. He doesn't have her. Uh, Cowboys minus two and a half. Somehow I feel like he's not alone. <laughs> Tom Brady, you know, so. I think um, he's okay. Yeah, I had to make an adjustment there. I thought I thought the line was eight with Cincinnati and Baltimore, but you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. By the way, on the way out, I don't want to end this on a morbid note, but are you aware of the fact that Antonio Brown's concussion, mm-hmm. Ryan Shazier's injury, Tua's really bad injury that occurred, and then the Damar Hamlin injury all occurred in Cincinnati in night games? I wasn't, but now that you mentioned it, my memory went through quickly each scenario, and yeah. There's something about night games in Cincinnati, man, so. Well, wait, we're not going anywhere. We got one more thing to talk about. And what is that? Well, I mean, there there was, well, you could say it was a game. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, yeah, I, you could forgive me <laughs> for forgetting about that. We've got stuff to talk about. You know, look at me trying to end the show here. Um, there was a game played Monday. Emil, was that the worst championship game that you've ever seen? And I think, and we knew, we do need to explain this to people. It would be odd for us to have to explain this, but we do need to explain this to people who have not been around as long watching college football for us. There was not always a clear championship game in college football. Right. There was a time back to even when I was playing where you would have the number one team playing. And then there were a couple of other games that could factor in and you could have a champion come out of that if the number one team faltered and lost that game. But in the era of these are the two teams and whoever wins this, and I think that started with the BCS, is this the worst championship game that we've ever had? I mean, in college, I mean, I wasn't around for the pros when the Cardinals played the 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 Chicago Cardinals played the old Redskins. So no, I'm talking like college. Strict, nothing. No, strictly, strictly yeah, college. Strictly college. I'm not pulling out an autogram. The only thing NFL I game. think of close, and, and I don't remember being as bad as this one, was when USC beat Oklahoma 55-19. Mm. But even that, I mean, Oklahoma moved the ball. I mean, it wasn't like you were sitting there going, well, they can't. I mean, you know, they got beat pretty bad, but they were moving the ball a little. Adrian Peterson was on that team. This thing was like TCU scored to make it 10-7. And I think that was almost all the yards they had in the game. They finished the game with 180 yards of offense. Yeah, it really went sideways for them after that. I do remember the, you know, I think it was 34 nothing, 2001 Miami team going up against Nebraska at, at halftime. And yes. you kind of knew, you kind of knew there that if my if Miami wanted to, this could go into the 60s. And, and Nebraska doesn't really have to score today if they don't want them to. 
right. and they kind of let off the gas in the second half. It could it could have been that, but it, it wasn't. We know uh, we have the Florida versus Nebraska game. Tommy Frazier's, but that know. was pre-championship. That was they they happened to be playing. That true. Was in yes. True. True. And yeah, Nebraska was a number one team, and they did what a number one team should do. But they completely obliterated a Florida team, and that was a sixty-five. 24 something like that they yeah they but yeah Emil, i'm gonna say that this was probably the worst what do we make of that i had this thought like you know what we're watching what happened here with tcu and now that we think about it tcu lost a kansas state team that got their head completely knocked off by alabama who was a i dare say and also ran in the sec this year um, there were a lot of games where TCU was right there on losing it. Did they belong there? And then I think, you know what? According to how we have this thing set up, they 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 made their way in. They won a game. And yes, they belong there. But ultimately, this the is- weakness of the Big 12, not having a big boy roster, really, really showed up there. So what's that to say about the 12-team playoff that we're trying to set up? We're going to get some of these. We're but, going to get and these that's techniques. okay in that system. When you're at 12, you're going to have five power five champions win their way in fine. And then you're going to have a committee pick seven at-large teams. And I hope the committee takes note here when they pick the seven at-large teams, pick the seven teams, come up with a system where you're really picking what you feel are seven best teams. I think the problem we have in college football right now is Because most football, almost all football fans love both sports, college and pro, for different reasons. People want to apply professional principles to the college game. And what I mean by that is this. There's 32 NFL teams. Essentially, Mm -hmm. everybody kind of plays the same schedule. Mm -hmm. You you have games where you can measure teams. They play Mm -hmm. each other. There's only 32 teams. Mm -hmm. They want to set it up in college where it's like, oh, well, TCU – was 12 and 1. They won almost all their games. They were 12 and 0 going to the last week. Alabama and Tennessee have two losses. Well, that's all well and good, but there's 131 Division 1 teams. They didn't even play close. Yeah, and we came to find out bowl week, which I'm always hesitant to, you yeah. know, use the bowls as a measuring stick because there's different motivations, but the Big 12 just could not show up in these bowl games. Not none of them. And and the the thing of it is Fans will, will try to fall back on, on what I call a professional principle. Well, TCU earned their way here. Not really because they're not playing the same schedules. So you have to try to use the eye test. Granted, you got to win on the field. But when it's close, you, you can't look at TCU's team and tell me you think their roster is better than Alabama's or Tennessee's. Mm-hmm. It's not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just not. I hated that that happened to TCU that way. I hate right, Listen, I, I have nothing. This was the whole reason when you said I'm not your typical fan. All year I told you, USC, basically aside from blowing the game against Tulane at the end, had the season I wanted them to have. They showed improvement from being 4-8. and eight. Had they capped it off by beating Tulane going 12-2, and two, I would have been thrilled. But 11-3 and three is fine. I didn't want them in the playoff. And you know I did because mm. my fear was what happened Monday night when you're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. Be- because I think sometimes that can do more damage to your program than it can to help it. Yeah, well, they're a laughing stock. Uh, as we sit here on Wednesday, three days after the game, or we, you know, we're actually recording on Wednesday. And, you know, you're hearing this at a later time, but uh, yeah, they're a laughing stock. I'm not sure how they recover from this. It's going to be a tall mental hill for them to climb, and they can Easy. do it for one reason. 
They're not what we, you and I define as the blue blood program. Pretend that was a USC that got beat 65-7. How do they go in a kid's living room and try to recruit a five-star? True. And see, that's why I think fans have to be careful. You, when especially the four-team playoff, when it goes to 12, I think it'll work its way out because you'll probably get beat in the first round. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that not starting next year? When is it? Two years. In two 24. Years. So, you know, maybe if you're a TCU, you get beat in that first round, 34-28, and this never happens. Mm-hmm. I think that'll correct itself a little bit because those teams that kind of are on the cusp of not quite being ready may get weeded out earlier. But when they put you in the final four automatically and you're not ready. Right. <laughs> you know, they got their self in there. Like yeah. I said, I feel bad for this happening to TCU, but this is this is what it is. And for some of those that would say certain things about the SEC, I'm getting ready to piss you off. But this is what it looks like when an SEC team, one of the you know stronger SEC teams, SEC teams really cares about the bowl game. This is what it looks like. This is when they're maxed out um, and they're going full balls to the wall, which, by the way, uh, did you hear that pregame speech given oh, by, me a by Kirby Smart? Yeah, me I a mean, <laughs> I've heard some corny ones that people have wanted to boost it up, but whatever Kirby ate that day, whatever <laughs> war book, whatever uh, biography he read about us, war general, keep doing that, man, because that thing. You could not go out and play hard. So you had a team that was better, that was ready to go out there and play hard. So you shouldn't be surprised by what happened. But And I dare say, they. I mean, truthfully, they pulled Bennett at 52-7 with 14 minutes left. It was ugly. They could have. They could have named a score. They could have put 80. They, yeah, they, if, they were, if they were a high school team, because <laughs> we've seen yeah. some high school teams go that route, they probably really could have done something like that would have been tragic. I think I think it's oh, no, I'm not saying they should have. No, I'm, saying- I'm not saying they should have. I think Kirby Smart at some point realized us putting 70, 77 in this game um, is not good for college football. No, he I, I don't think he, he you know, I, I, I'm sure at some point he even regrets 65, seven. But you can't tell kids going into a championship game. Hey, don't try. I no, mean, I mean, this is might be the only chance I get in a game like this. I want to score. I want to make that tackle. I want to make that interception if it comes my way. Coach, don't ask me to drop a ball out here. And yeah. if they're done playing and we still want to play, sorry, this is what you signed up for. Yeah. You're here, blah, blah, blah. How about the TCU watch parties? Holy crap. <laughs> they I have hope, that arena. There's I hope nobody there. The to quote Denzel, to quote Denzel Washington, I hope you at least you're left with something. Tostito yes. bag. The salsa that people didn't finish, you left there with something because there was nothing otherwise for you to really, really see. But Georgia, as I don't know if you've seen the clips, Emil, but David Pollack, Georgia, oh, yeah, Georgia, Georgia grad, yeah. Georgia alumni, proud alumni, been waiting for these moments because he had to suffer through all the years of people talking crazy about, hey, not since Herschel Walker, have you guys been able to do anything, had his moment. And I don't know if he saw the significance of it. I I don't know if he was totally blind or if this was a chance for me to take a shot at Alabama. But Nick Saban is sitting right there in front of him. And on the set, he pretty much said Georgia is the new bully college football. And if you saw Nick Saban's face, you know he has not slept since David Paul said. It was uncomfortable. If he was ever thinking about retiring, it ended right there. I mean, if he ever (laughs) thought about punching someone 30 years his junior – it was at that moment. Like, how dare you? How Listen, dare there's you? no doubt. I mean, I, I looked at Georgia's schedule next year because I'm curious. 
Yes. And you start looking and you're thinking, I don't really see a loss other than Tennessee, perhaps. You know? Who do they have from the West? Do you remember? They have LSU always, correct? No, they always have Auburn. They always have Auburn. Okay. That was that. That's the, what the, the, I think it's the oldest SEC rivalry. Well, that's not going to do anything. So, no, the, I mean, they might have LSU, but here's the thing. I mean, I mean Tennessee's an issue. Yeah, now, they're an issue. But, but you know, here, here's the thing. I think we can get ahead of ourselves because these things, remember now, we were sitting here in the same seats. There's no years, more 28-year-old Stetson Bennett, too, in quarterback. No, but five years ago, we were seeing, yeah, it's true. He is, what is he, about 26? <laughs> he is, he's, Stetson Bennett is 25. Yeah. yeah. Five years ago, we, we were saying similar things about Clemson when they had it going. Right. I mean, we're, you know, they were starting to dominate. They uh, dominate. Are you sure? I don't know if I ever felt that way about Clemson. I always felt like oh, they could at any moment, but not they're going to be the new. They're going to elbow Nick Saban out of the way. Maybe they would go back and forth. Maybe if there's three times Nick gets two and, and Dabo sticks them once. I didn't think the same I, way I think I, about Georgia. I think I think that as great as Georgia is and you can't take anything away from a team that's 29 and won the last two years and defending two time champions. I think what happened Monday night actually uh, makes it turn into a tale of its own because people forget the close calls. Mm. They forget the rally against Missouri to win 26-22. Could it have been boredom? Sure. They forget, but they forget Kentucky 16-6, and we've seen Kentucky is no juggernaut. They forget that Ohio State, without Marvin Harrison for the last quarter and a half or whatever it was. Well, that's the one I would say something about, Emil. The other ones you named... That's all a part of dynasties. I mean, yeah, oh, I understand. Your team ended up losing the game ultimately, the championship game, but they had a 34-31 game against Fresno State. I know, oh, I know. Absolutely. And you remember the Ed Reed pulling the ball out of his lineman's hand. We had one of those in that 2001 season. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I understand. I understand. All, all I'm saying is those things can happen during the course of a season when you're bored and keep you out of the play. That playoff next time well that's you're awesome. getting it you're getting in with 12 teams now so you're getting no in well next you... year is only four i'm saying next yeah year. no i mean yeah after that yeah. it's 12 teams yeah to, they're in so it's going to be easier for them to get in there and now a little booger game on a saturday like that doesn't end your season i don't know how to feel about the 12 like watching that game and watching tcu get obliterated yeah i heard everything that you said i, I don't know how to feel about a 12 team playoff and then what is the committee going to be doing? Are they going to be heavily swayed by what happened there? So so a team like Cincinnati last year or UCF from a couple of years ago, if they're that 10, 11, 12 team, are they kept out of the playoff because there's voting involved and they think about what happened to TCU? Because that was really bad for business, Emil. It was the lowest rated watched you know, college football playoff game that we've had. Well, no, no doubt about it. And you know that, that factors in. That factors in. Just, hey, listen, if this is a business. Then for you know, we we see that we talk about it every week. It's sure. A business. We got ads to sell. I do think they'll probably, if they were smart, and they do this with basketball, they instruct teams like, hey, here's what we're looking at when we when we pick the tournament. You know, mm. so I think you're going to go to those teams like your your UCFs and your Cincinnatis and teams that are you know that second tier, but they have good teams, and you're going to say, listen, you know. Now, remember, they're both moving to the Big 12, but they're going to tell them, listen. There'll be others There'll be others to take their place. Sure, but you're going to have to go heavy and play some power five teams out of conference. Because if you run the table and, and, and your out of conference games are 
army and uh yeah we need to know that you could stand up we need to know like we can't see you playing army kent state and then your conference schedule telling us you went 12 and 0 and you want us to throw you in there against georgia that isn't happening unless you show us you can go out and beat a couple power five teams yeah we're not trying to do that to you this is for your own safety yes yes we're trying (laughs) so we're keeping you protecting you (laughs) yeah that was bad ball i'm just saying as a fan that sucked I turned the game off halftime. Oh, I was I was out of there at twenty four seven and just saw the score rolling up on my phone and came back for highlights the next day. Yeah, that's what I did. You know, I got to halftime and said, "Okay, you know, there's no way you're gonna do anything here. You can't even make it interesting. I know you're not coming back, but you can't even like make it interesting if you came out and ran the opening kickoff. Which on top of that, Georgia was getting the ball out of the locker room. But let's just say you came back and you ran the, the opening kickoff back from the half." And then you got the ball back and and then scored. It's still 38-21. So I checked out. That's not good news for this game. Because, listen, man, I always get lathered up for that championship game. I don't think anything is going to come close to that USC-Texas thing. But I still still look forward to that game. And for it to be that was really, really terrible for the sport. Well, and the problem you have is you're in the football business. You are. Mm -hmm. I mean, not just here, what you do. I do a podcast with you. If two guys like us are out of there early, yeah, everyone. Imagine what the casual fan is like. I mean, not even the betters are there because look, if you took TCU like the two of us did, you're done. Yes. Um, I think you pretty much knew you were going to have the over, and if you had an under, you were cooked on that. You knew that, so there was nothing left. There's nothing left. There's no fantasy no. stuff going on there, so you were out. Everyone was gone. Everyone, out, and that's, everyone hit and it their Netflix. It. And their Paramount streaming services, and they were gone. And, you know, I don't even remember what I watched that night, but it wasn't Georgia holding TCU on the water. So bad news there for them. Let's hope that never happens again. Bad for the sport, and we will both be rooting against it moving forward. But uh, again, you don't, you just don't know. I, I, I'm more excited for the 12-team playoff. I think it'll spread over time a little bit more talent out uh, where kids feel, hey, I can be in this playoff thing, and I don't have to go to one of – five or six schools. And I think as that happens, it'll take a little time. The games will be competitive. First round, remember, you'll have four teams with the bye. So your mm. Georgias will be sitting there watching and you'll have a 5-12 game where that you-, you A little closer, get, yeah. yeah. And maybe you get an upset. Yeah. You know, because those are nice to see too. We love the 16 versus one upsets or the, what's the one that we get? The 10 versus seven? The seven, right. Yeah, right. we'll get those. So that'll that'll be fun. All right, that's a wrap on the college Football season, um, I don't even think, do we even count any of that on our records? We were no, we're not dismal. counting that. We didn't I, make official picks. Yeah, we didn't even get over 500 uh, this year in college football. So that's that. Sorry, folks, if you were coming to us for that. We'll make up for it next year. That's a wrap on the college football season and on this show. We went really, really long today. Good to have you back, partner. And now you're on camera for our YouTube audience. For you folks listening to us on um, whether that's Spotify, Apple, or, you know, Anchor, all of that good stuff. We're happy to have you here, too, joining us for the new year. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. We, we need you here with us every week. We did 47 shows last year. I don't know if we'll get 52 in this year. You know, we'll, we're going to uh, give it a shot. We're going to yeah. try like hell. Yeah, we'll see what we do. But we are consistent. We're here. So, yeah, definitely come on and join us. So we're out. We'll be back next week. For Emil Calamina, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. See you next week.